He worked as a chief electrician on Barry Lyndon and as a gaffer on The Shining, and he worked closely with Kubrick in designing the overall look and feel of Eyes Wide Shut as his lighting cameraman. Other films on which he's worked as cinematographer include Fear X, The Piano Player, and Red Dust, and incredible television events like Prime Suspect 6 and Elizabeth I. It is our great pleasure to welcome to the show Mr. Larry Smith. Mr. Smith, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? Hi, how are you, sir? Thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. Uh, no, my pleasure. My we've pleasure. been so excited about uh, speaking with you. Uh, now, you work with Kubrick on three pictures, like like I just mentioned, uh, starting with uh, Barry Lyndon in 75, correct? That's correct, yeah. So what expectations did you have of the man prior to meeting and working with him, and, and how did he surprise you? Well, I first met him in 74, which was um, when I um, when I started to work on Barry Lyndon. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went there for a, a week. They just they'd been shooting in Ireland, and he'd come back from uh, Ireland, and they were setting up, uh, resetting up in the south of England, yeah, and uh, in uh, in one of the stately homes that we uh, that we shot in. And uh, I was really only there for a, a few days, really, just you know, just to help out. You know, it was a it was a rush that, that he had come back. Nobody really knew he was back. And uh, they had to get the sets ready and locations ready, etc. And um, so for me, it was just really a, a filling few days. And uh, and I didn't really know that much about him in those days. I mean, I knew he was a big, um, uh, you know, I knew he was a big director. He was a big name, but I didn't really know that much about him until you know a, a few weeks into um, into uh, the working on Barry Lyndon. Yeah. He had a. We spoke to this a little earlier, but the way he was able to make films, the freedom he had, uh, it was unprecedented, wasn't it? His relationship with Warner Brothers. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's any accident if you, you know, if you, if you chart uh, Stanley's career from the, uh, you know, from the very early days. I think that I, I don't think it was necessarily premeditated the uh, working environment that he created for himself, but certainly, he, you know, film after film. And certainly, when he moved to uh, to England, I think he was always moving towards being comfortable in the in the environment that it, that he worked in. And and comfort for him was being able to do what he wanted, when he wanted, in a in a relatively small geographical area, um, uh, which he which he which he achieved. Yeah, observing him, um, and this might be a completely obvious question, but. Being being close to him and working so closely with him on some of these films, what did you observe as, as some of the qualities that made him such a phenomenon as as a filmmaker? Well, the first thing I I guess I noticed because as I said I didn't really know that much about him was that you know he's quite, he's a gentle he was a gentle soul and he wasn't a, a, you know he wasn't someone that really stamped his feet and shouted and screamed mm. um, but he had a presence. Uh, almost mystic, mystical presence, really. You know, when he when he would arrive on the set, I and mean, certainly the first time I saw him, when he when he came to look at some of the uh, locations that we'd been we'd been lighting, you just felt that there was that, 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 that there was this presence that he just sort of came in very kind of nonchalantly, and but everybody was kind of sort of at attention, yeah, uh, and looking and waiting for for him to speak, waiting for him to you know say that you know everyone was kind of slightly holding their breath in a way, in, in, in an extreme way. And that kind of surprised me a bit. And I, I kind of realized then very early on that 
he was highly respected by everybody around him. Yeah, and he was so uh, meticulous from what I've read, uh, particularly in terms of the, the technical aspects of his films. Uh, I mean, the craft is always impeccable in, in everything he did. What was that collaboration like uh, from a technical aspect uh, with with Mr. Kubrick? Well, uh, you're, you're absolutely right what you say. I mean, he, you know, you know, the term perfectionist is used has been used many times uh, about Stanley, and and and, 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 and and it's certainly true the way the way he worked. And um, I think Jan Harland, his uh, brother-in-law, once said, you know, the thing about Stanley is he looks under every stone. Yeah. And I would say, yes, he does look under it, or he did look under every stone, and then he'd go and look again in case he missed something. The fear of, in a way, of missing something. Did he, did he let something go that he didn't really give it his full attention? And, um, and the time he would spend um, uh, on anything, really, not, not even away from movies, because I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time with him in between movies. Mm. Um, so you get to know... You know, uh, not necessarily Stanley Kubrick the director, but more Stanley Kubrick the man, and uh, and, and almost I could say possibly friend in, in, in a way. Yeah. Um, and and everything that he did, from you know whether it was working on a script, whether it was you know buying a telephone or you know a typewriter or pens or paper, whatever it was, you know there was a tremendous amount of research that went into every little detail. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I recall reading accounts of of that. He was his endless curiosity and and how he would investigate every. He was fascinated by so much, uh, and that's part of what what made him such a fantastic filmmaker. Is that he his fascination with every aspect of 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 of, of everything that he investigated. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about The Shining, um, yep. because obviously one of our great classic films of the past. Uh, 27 years uh, looking at uh, Vivian Kubrick's documentary on the making of The Shining it's really it's really a, an unprecedented uh, look inside his working process uh, and that's included in this special uh, DVD set out on Tuesday but it, it seemed like there were moments of, of, of great tension during that shoot uh, was that a tense set? No, I wouldn't. I, w I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think that um, certainly some of the scenes in Vivian's film um, um, polarised that a little bit, um, and there were certainly, you know, periods when it was very cold, and you know, and there was a lot of noise and a lot of smoke, in particular on on that one of the scenes I think you're referring to, and um, uh, you know. Tempers get a little bit frayed from time to time. Walkie-talkies don't work, or mm. messages are not conveyed. And I think you know the tension builds. Um, there were moments like there are on on, on every movie, but um, generally speaking, I would say um, not so much really. I, I thought it was um, yeah, I, I thought it was a reasonably reasonably relaxed film to work on. Yeah. What did you observe of of how he works and collaborates? with his actors that's a very close intimate collaboration isn't it yes i think it is i mean you know i he he he's he's very happy to um to give direction he's also very happy to 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 see what actors can um, give back to him you know he he's you know he'll happily go along with you know a certain amount of takes um and then if it's not right he may then step in and give a little more direction and I think, generally speaking, Stanley, for the 
the most part. I mean, on that film in particular with Jack, mm. I mean, you know, what direction do you give Jack Nicholson in a way? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, Jack would just, you know, do it one way, do it another way. Stanley would say, try it another way. But you know, it, it's very difficult to say to Jack, you know, that was good or that's not. So, but Jack always felt, I think Jack always felt, from memory anyway, that um, he always felt his second or third take. Yeah. was, you know, probably the take that, that that he would go for film after film. I seem to remember him saying that to me once. But, um, um, but still, we would still do 50 or 60 maybe on certain uh, of the takes. So, but and Jack was very happy to do it a different way. Right. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was it was Stanley's call. If he, he wanted it a certain way, when he was happy with it, he walked away from it. But it, he would never walk away from it until he was happy. Yeah. And what was he looking for? Uh, when he, I know that some he did, some some scenes he would shoot in. I read about Eyes Wide Shut. Some scenes he would shoot in two hours. Some scenes would take three weeks. But but when he when he didn't get what he wanted and and he and he was using all of those takes, what quality was he looking for? Was he just looking for something to surprise him? I I think so. I mean, I, I think you know, I think Stanley uh, said many times, really really is good, but interesting is better. You know, and I think that um, I think sometimes he didn't know what he was looking for. I'm sure, and sometimes he wouldn't know for a day or two. And sometimes, you know, he might shoot a scene and then look at it again in three or four weeks' time and think, you know what, that doesn't work. Doesn't work the way I wanted it, and he'd go back and do it. So I think, you know, what he was trying to achieve was obviously always the best possible take with yeah. all of the elements working all of the time. But sometimes there's so many elements in a, in, in a scene that you don't always see them at that time. And, 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 you know, with hindsight, you can look back and say, well, I wish I'd have done this, I wish I'd have done that. A lot of directors obviously have to go with, you know, whatever they shot on the day. And Stanley had, obviously, this amazing way of working where he could look at something and go back and reshoot it. Yeah. And, and did, uh, quite often. Well, how did he, how did he approach you uh, when, when it came time for Eyes Wide Shut? Was it just as simple as, as as he wanted you to be his his cinematographer, lighting cameraman for that for, for that piece? Well, well, what had happened was about because um, after The Shining, I kind of went off and pursued other uh, other areas, you know, and uh, so I didn't, you know, that was the point. I kind of lost contact with him for maybe two or three years. We'd, I'd get you know a Christmas card or whatever, but uh, and then just um, uh, when he was, I think he was in in. Um, research with Aryan papers, certainly with AI anyway. Mm. He just called me one day out of the book because I used to live for some time quite close to him and oddly enough all the time I lived there I never it's one of the times I saw least uh, one of the periods in my life I saw the least amounts of time with him. Um and I, I that just makes called, sense. Yeah. yeah. He just called me one day and said, you know, I don't know, we just he just called me and we just started talking about something and I seem to recall the conversation went on for about four hours. Um, which seemed like five minutes at the time, but I mean, it was afterwards I put the, the phone in and I realised it was late evening. Mm -hmm. and, he, and, and he said, come, "Can you come up to the house? What's new? What's, what, you know, what's new in lighting? What's, you know, what's?" I said, "Well, there's a few little things that have come out." He said, "Come up, bring them up. Why don't you bring them up and show them to me?" <laughs> and uh, I went up and we were in the projection room, and he's theatre at his house in uh, in, in uh, St Albans, and. Um, we were just talking, really. We didn't, I showed him these lights. He was, I don't think he was that interested in these lights. No, they were interesting, nice little things. But we just talked, really, 
about, you know, what have you been doing, how are you, I hear you're a cameraman now, etc., etc., etc. And this went on late into the evening. We, we had some supper, sandwich or something, I seem to recall. And um, I went away. Um, and then um, a sort of period of time went, went by. Um, he didn't make Aryan papers. Uh, and uh, he, I guess at this stage, was thinking about Eyes Wide Shut. Mm-hmm. And then I just got a call um, from Stanley again, which was a very long conversation. I was in my office, and um, we were just talking about... I seem to remember we were talking about a couple of movies that had come out uh, at that time, which we talked about, um, and he was infused in about one of them. And um, we um, and, and, and that was it. We spoke, spoke before. I had no talk about doing Eyes Wide Chat or anything else. He said, let's keep in touch. Um, I said, yeah, fine. Um, and then a, another two or three months went past, and he called me up, and he said, um, what are you doing? I said, and I... I remember I'd just gone to my office and I said, well, I'm just going to the gym. <laughs> and he said, uh, the gym? What are you going to the gym for? <laughs> I said, well, you know, <laughs> he said, can you come over to the house? So I said, yeah, sure. So I went over to the house and he, by this time, wasn't. he used to drive himself a lot in the early days when I knew him. And this time he wasn't driving himself so much. But this day he said, come in the car, I want to take you somewhere. And he took me to a house. Um, which was about 45 minutes drive from his house, and asked me about a, a, an exterior scene. And he said, well, how would you do this at night? You know, how would you light this at night? And I said, well, I said to him what I would do, and talk, talk, talk. We get in the car, we come back. Uh, we have a cup of coffee. I go home. There's still no talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> and about another two or three weeks, I think, went past, and he called me up and said... Um, would you, you know, would you be interested in in Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah. And um, I sort of, in a way, it wasn't unexpected, oddly enough, because I kind of felt this was probably coming. So it wasn't a, a huge shock to me. But I just, having worked for Stanley on two films, on Barry Lyndon and, and, and The Shining, and knowing really what's required yeah. in terms of body and soul, um, I didn't say yes immediately, which um, a lot of people find hard to understand. But I, but I didn't say yes because I just I had a you know, my I had my own career and I was working as a as, as a DOP and I had a, a company which I was running as well and I just thought I, I don't know how difficult this would be. Yeah. So I went Thank away um, and I said I'd speak to him in, in, in a couple of days. And um, I thought about it, and thought about it long and hard. And um, and then I kind of came back, and then I went down to see him, and we talked some more. Um, and then I went away on holiday. I went to, I actually came to France uh, on holiday and uh, thought about it some more. And then we spoke again. And then in the end, I, I said you know, that I would do it. Uh, it was a fairly long, drawn-out process, and it, it had nothing to do with... It had nothing to do with money, and it had nothing to do with... And it was just about lifestyle and... The commitment, really. A major time commitment, the two. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and of course I knew, having worked, worked with Sally on two movies, I mean, I just know the way he works. I know how long things take. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, so it, I, I was coming from it, I was educated in yeah. the Kubrick way of working, which was why it took me so long, really, to say yes. 
Yeah, I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from on that. We have a couple of questions concerning the look of the film. Mm-hmm. And, and and Aaron, you, you wanted to ask something in particular, didn't you, concerning the look? Yeah, I wanted to ask, um, because obviously one of the, for me, one of the, the, the most interesting light, light, lit scenes is the big uh, Cruz Kidman bedroom scene where she confesses. And it seems as if a Kubrick was going for... Uh, natural lighting in that he, you know, if if you're in the family room and you got the lamps on and the overhead light on, this is the way it should look. Or in the bedroom, you got the lamps on and overhead light, this is the way it should look. It's just that it's so rare that bedrooms or family rooms or living rooms have ever looked that way in movies that I, it looked, you know, like they were using extra wadded bulbs in the lamps or so forth. I mean, because there's even a point when Nicole Kidman is standing in the doorway, and she you can see what she's wearing, but you all can see the the outline of her panties and her mm. bra, and and it's all because of the 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 lighting. And so I was wondering what was Stanley's, what was his goal or what was his ambition for the lighting, particularly in like those interiors, whether it's the apartment or Sidney Pollack's party scene. Yeah. And because mm. also, uh, and I'm a, and I would guess that Kubrick purposely picked the Christmas season for the setting also because it gave him interesting lighting choices. So that's that's kind of my curiosity. And what was yeah, process? no, I think so. I mean, I think that um, I certainly when I first read the script, I, I immediately, it's, it's very interesting when you get a script to read. Um, you know, for me, it's either on the first couple of pages or it's not there. And it was very strange when you, when you, when you, you read the first page and it, and it was actually set at Christmas and, and all that. And it, I don't know, it gives you a good feeling as a, uh, as a director of photography about the possibilities. So we, you know, obviously when, when, when we were testing this and looking at various ways of, uh, of, uh, of doing the scenes, um, you know, it, 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 the practical lighting. I mean, it, 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 what you have to understand about the way Stanley worked was that he always wanted total freedom to move around the set and he and you know as you know since the shining he used a lot of steadicam right and the steadicam leads leads itself to being at you know to being able to do 360 degrees well you can't do that with a lot of conventional film lights because at some stage you're going to be looking at them mm-hmm. um so it's really a way of devising a system where you get a, a very natural look by using natural sources just slightly boosted natural sources but not hugely, not hugely, but just, you know, just basically. Um, so you could use the actual, you know, lights on the set, uh, which would be the inferior lights in a bedroom or in a kitchen or whatever, to give you an exposure, to give the, the, the camera flexibility to move around mm-hmm. and just bring in the odd thing here and there on maybe on a close-up or light through the windows, which is, you know, at, at, you know, at the end of the day, and I've said this m- many times, if you think back to you know the way the great painters worked, they had two sources of light. They had daylight or they had candlelight. And what's changed apart from now we use electric light instead of candlelight? The window lights are still the window lights. You still get daylight or sunlight or moonlight or whatever. So it's a very natural way of working if you if you actually think about it. The problem has been obviously has been able to get an exposure you know, uh, uh, working at those kind of levels. And, of course, with, with modern film stocks and fast lenses and also the way we shot that movie because we force-developed everything to stops as well. 
yeah. which gave us the opportunity to use um, low-level light sources but still get a reasonable stop in terms of focus. Yeah, and didn't you, didn't you also, you were investigating different film stock to use, and, and the one you decided upon, was it discontinued? Code? Well, it was just being discontinued. It was a stock. I mean, you, what, what you realize, if you look at the, the history of, of, of Stanley's movies, the yeah. periods of time in between, especially the last, say, two or three, and I think the, the period of time between um, Full Metal Jacket and um, Eyes Wide Shut was the longest period. That he ever went between making movies, and you know, and in that seven or eight or nine year period, a lot of things change. And, and Stanley doesn't work with film every day of his life. He does; he's developing uh, scripts or he's working on some of his other movies. So the technical aspects, he, he wouldn't necessarily have uh, been able to uh, experience. And five five two nine eight, as I believe it was in, uh, then, was a stock that I'd been using a lot anyway, and it was a stock that I personally liked. Um, I didn't actually know it was being discontinued at that time. It wasn't until we decided on that stock, having yeah. tested other stocks that were out, that we realised this was the best stock that was on the market for false developing, because the modern, the other modern stocks of the same ASA speed uh, were designed more for um, the modern era of post-production, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. and the over and under exposure range on that. Um, well, 5298 wasn't quite like that, and it had, it never gave, it didn't give you too many biases when you pushed it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just by default, we ended up using that. It just happened that they, had, they were discontinued it, and they were trying to push a new stock, the Vision uh, stock, um, uh, and we wanted a lot, of, a lot of it, and there wasn't a lot, a lot of it, uh, of it around. You know, I don't think there was too much in America. There was some in Europe. But they uh, they guaranteed that we would get it, and they uh, I, 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 they made some more for us, I think. Yeah, just two more two more quick questions for you, and then we'll let you go. Uh, but the film seems to be showered in in, in deep reds and, and blues. Was there a discussion thematically on, on on how these colors fit into the story? No, not not really. I mean, I think that basically what happened if you take, for example, the first. The opening scene in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which is the uh, Tom and Nicole getting ready in the in the in the apartment, right, and 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 in the in the toilet scene, it it, it was something that evolved. I mean, it's something that um, if you see some of my work, I quite like those those um, those deep blues and warm interiors. And I, I think it was really a question of let's test it. What you know, what should we do? Well, let's have a look at this, and then you know we do something. We put some blue in the window, and it's an exaggerated blue, for example. I mean, yeah. moonlight is never that blue. I mean, it's really neutral, mm. but that blue was so—it's almost theatrical. Yeah, um, and that really just developed by us looking at it, and we were saying, "Well, that's a bit blue." I might have said, it, "That's a bit blue," and so I said, "Well, you know, it's a bit blue. But it's interesting. Why don't yeah. we just, you know?" So it, 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 you know, it goes back to the realism thing. You know, what's real and what's interesting. It is not real, but it's interesting. Yeah, exactly, and it's a gorgeous-looking movie. Uh, just watching it again recently, it's just it has a fantastic look. Uh, did you get a sense that he was he was happy with with the finished film? Well, um, you've got to remember there's about um, at least a year in between me finishing on the project and uh, Stanley finishing the, um, uh, the the cut. Maybe a little bit longer than that, actually. Um, so I didn't see I was I was working. So I, I you know I never really got the chance to discuss 
with him, you know, the final cut, because as you know, he, he died shortly afterwards, yeah. and I hadn't spoken to him in that in, in, in uh, intervening time. Um, but knowing, knowing Stanley, if he, if he spent that amount of time and then he, he was prepared to show it um, uh, to the Warner's people and Tom and Nicole in, in New York, he wouldn't have shown it if he wasn't happy with it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that I'm convinced of. Yeah. And uh, there is, you know, there's always conjecture about did he finish it? You know, he finished it. That I'm sure of. Yeah. 